Well, the world is a dumpster fire Nothing here makes sense And you vacillate to the crippling fear Of constant self-defense And nothing's right and nothing's good And you're paralyzed with grief Don't kill yourself, just ask a Welcome to Coffee Over Suicide, the dramedy podcast about mental illness and choosing life over death one cup of coffee at a time. I'm your host, Chris Parker Howard. And, uh, man, I just got back from the doctor. They took some blood. Uh, they're going to check on some things. But overall, uh, I'm, I'm in the clear for now. Uh, everything is good. So I've, I'm officially no longer on medication that was my choice and that was what seemed like the right thing for me to do um i'm kind of no longer a a person who thinks that uh, i need to make myself able to do one way or the other for the rest of my life kind of now of the opinion that uh once in a while if you need a little help get the help i don't know what made me think it was something else uh in the first place who knows? I mean, did any of that stigma land inside of me at any point where I was thinking that uh, there was a weakness to it? Yeah, maybe. Um, I think there was a part of that in me somewhere. It wasn't so much that I was afraid of other people uh, thinking I was weak or whatever. I've always been sort of uh, small and quiet and unnoticed, uh, depending on which group of people you ask (laughs) there's other there's other groups of people that would argue that that's quite the opposite um but uh you know i i think that we present different versions of ourselves to the world um based on a lot of factors and i'm trying to get down to a basic one size fits all person uh with one personality that doesn't waver from person to person And again, I don't know why that matters to me either. But all of this is a journey. And yeah, it's it's not nothing. There's there's a lot of personal growth uh, in the works, as there always should be. And today on the show, I talked to someone who knows quite a lot about that. I talked to Anissa Hudak. Uh, We talk about the healing power of meditation and yoga, and uh, specifically as it pertains to using that as a way of combating PTSD and trauma. And it's a fascinating conversation. I learned a few things about, uh, about the process of that that I didn't know beforehand. Um, it's, it's not always quiet. Uh, now, that's good for me, because I'm a person that can't really handle silences. I have a hard time with silences. Some of that is trauma-related, and some of that isn't. Um, who knows? But uh, I just kind of always assumed yoga, meditation, those things are not for me. I'm just not built for it. But honestly, as a human being, you're pretty well built for just about anything a person can do. It's just whether or not you're going to make the effort to give it a shot, what kind of mindset are you going to arrive with when it comes to 
your level of expectation and understanding who are you going to be in this situation because ultimately it is all you it is nothing to do with the other people the outside stimulus what the world is going to hand you the situation you're going to find yourself in a lot of that is out of your control but the one thing that is in your control is being able to figure out who you're going to be when those situations happen. That's a tough process. Uh, it's not one that I always come to pretty easily myself. But that's the main thing that I'm usually working on. And that's actually what I'm working on right now as I transition away from the medication back into a person who's no longer medicated. I feel like I've come out of the clouds and like my brain is starting to work a little more properly again. But I'll keep you posted. In the meantime, uh, here's a great conversation. I got some news coming up. Uh, <laughs> I guess it's too early to say anything about it, so I don't know why I bothered. Um, how are you? Hit me up. You can always email me, info at coffeeoversuicide.com. You can find me on the Facebook, the Instagram, the LinkedIn. I'm all over the place. But this is my conversation with Anissa. Uh, well, hi, how's it going today? <laughs> it's going well. How about you? Not too bad. Uh, it's, uh, it's always a glorious day when you can sleep in past 6 a.m. I wouldn't know about that. <laughs> well, tell me, tell me a little bit about you. Uh, where, where are you, where are you at right now? Well, I currently live in Manhattan, Kansas. Nice. And um, I don't know if you follow, follow college sports, but I live uh, right outside of Kansas State University, K-State. Ah. The Wildcats. <laughs> Go Wildcats. <laughs> Woohoo! Yes. So, uh, were you born there? No, I'm from New York, New Jersey area. <laughs> That's quite a like... different Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I left the little app. I left the big apple for the little apple. <clears throat> <clears throat> well, what was that like? Uh, I mean, going through growing up, uh, growing up in New York. What was that like? Well, um, I grew up literally on a mountain. Um, you know, people when they think of New York, they think of you know concrete and skyscrapers. Um, I, you know, grew up on a mountain, and um, we used to go skiing and cow tipping and all kinds of fun stuff. <laughs> um, you know, and then I, I married my husband, who is active duty military, and I had the uh, opportunity to live all across the U.S. And um, this was our last duty station. He retired from um, active duty here. And our boys are in high school. And so we're just kind of waiting for them to get done before we uh, move back east. Nice. Yeah, that's, uh, that's definitely uh, <clears throat> quite a lifestyle to, to pick up and move around all the time and to be able to at least have a little bit of time at the end uh, to finish things out is probably probably a relief for those boys 
Yeah, actually, they started kindergarten here. We have been here for 12 years, which is really unheard of for active duty. Yeah. Um, but he, my husband kept getting deployed from here. So we wound up just kind of settling in. And, you know, at the end, it was just like, you know, we, we really wanted to let the boys uh, finish school. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where we're at. But it's really unheard of for these boys to have started and ended at the same place. So tell me a little bit about uh, tell me a little bit about what you were like as a kid. What was what was your uh, what was your passion? Uh, well, my passion was cooking. I was going to be a chef. I come from a, a family of restaurateurs. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. And um, then I met my husband, and I realized that I would probably never see him. And so I really, you know, kind of decided I was going to go a different path, and I became a paralegal. Hmm. That's know, quite right? a change. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then I, I realized, well, every state has different laws. And so as we started moving around, there were places where I could and couldn't work. Um, I did get to practice Napoleonic law in Louisiana, which is very different. What is Napoleonic law? <laughs> Uh, it's uh, based around the French, and so they they kind of do things um, a little differently there, to yeah. say the very least. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so it's based on French law. Okay, what is there? Is there anything you can think of off the top of your head that would be, uh, you know, different? I was doing some estate work, which was my absolute favorite because literally my client was dead, so they weren't calling to bother me. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the dead don't complain. <laughs> they don't, which was lovely. But I was I was doing some uh, estate work, and um, the husband had died, and the wife. It's like it's rented. Like the house was kind of like rented to her until she died, and then her um, children truly inherited it. But um. They they really owned the house at that point, and she was just kind of using it until she died. It was very weird how yeah. um, spouses did their estate work. Um, and then, of course, I was doing some real estate, and the first thing I noticed was, um, is this house on stilts? I was like, what do you mean is it on stilts? And then I realized they were talking about, like, in the swamps. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, I didn't see that coming. So... <laughs> Well, then we start getting into maritime law. <laughs> yeah, it's just really weird stuff. Very, very weird. Different. Yeah, I, I mean, that sounds like a, a, a pile of things for a person to go through. I mean, in you know several lifetimes, let alone one. And, and that's quite different from what you're doing now. Yes, very, very different. I am a yoga therapist. Tell me a little bit about that. How how does how does one decide to get into yoga therapy? Well, I can tell you that nobody, I think, wakes up any given day and says, "I'm going to be a yoga therapist." <laughs> um, I think it's a journey. I um, I started taking some teacher training classes for yoga, and this mm -hmm. was for fitness based yoga. Sure. Um, I. Didn't want to go to classes. I wanted to be on my own schedule. I wanted to be able to do yoga safely for myself. And so I started taking some classes. I kind of got the bug, started enjoying taking classes. Mm 
um, for teacher training classes. Um, and one of the classes that was being offered was called uh, Yoga Fit was the company. And it was Yoga Fit for Warriors. And this was for PTSD, for um, active duty and retired military. My husband was active duty. We live right outside of Fort Riley, Kansas. And I was like, gosh, you know, I, I live in the belly of the beast. We have guys and gals coming back from deployments all the time. Um, probably a, a, an important class for me to take. And um, about halfway through the first day, I realized that the first person I really needed to start working on was myself. That my own PTSD had really crawled into the nooks and crannies of my life and was holding me back. Yeah. And so um, with that, I started taking more classes in that whole niche. And before I knew it, I had a certification in it. So here I am. (laughs) That's, I mean, that's inspiring. What's the, because tell me this, the the thing that, one of the things that I find, especially about, uh, uh, with regards to uh, PTSD is that it's a lot easier um, to try to squash it or numb it or move it off to the side rather than get in there and deal with it. Um, I, I, it seems to me that among all of the physical activities that you could do, you know, to try to bolster your mental health and your mental state, yoga would be particularly effective for this because of the meditative aspect. Um, that's part of the reason, you know, the other part is that you have to be absolutely a hundred percent present on your mat. You can't be thinking about, you know, going to the grocery store afterwards. Right. Um, you, you know, you have to be a hundred percent there on your mat or else you're literally, you're going to fall over. Yeah, completely. So PTSD likes to drag us back into the past to that, you know, incident or incidents that plagues us. And with PTSD, if we have anxiety, anxiety always makes us worry about the future. And so we're either living in the past or we're living in the future, but we're never present. And that's where yoga comes in. For an hour or so, you have to be 100% present. Yeah. Yeah, completely. And that's pretty amazing for somebody with PTSD. It is, because, I mean, speaking from my own personal experiences with it, the... uh, the thing that's that was always tough for me was taking a, a, any sort of quiet moment at all, ever, uh, because the the moment silence comes into the picture, the moment relaxation comes into the picture, that's when uh, that's when it really comes into the brain and says, "Hey, pay attention to this. Uh, you got you got something to deal with here," and. Uh, of course, at the beginning, the easiest way uh, to deal with any kind of any kind of uh, uh, ongoing trauma that you haven't dealt with is to try to push it away or or numb it. But the thing that I find about yoga uh, specifically is, like you said, um, you can't mindlessly do it. Like you can go for a run mindlessly with your headphones in and just plot along without thinking you can lift weights that way. Uh, you can do just about any other physical exercise sort of half there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But yoga definitely requires 
attention and focus. Uh, so how do you? I, 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 I'm really fascinated by this because I, I had <laughs> never I had never heard about uh, about using it this way, and and this is something that's actually fairly new to me. So tell me a little bit about uh, where you started to discover that there was something that you had to deal with. Well, before I talk about that, let me just interject and say that in my classes, if you're looking for that Zen moment, that silence, you're not going to find it in my classes. (laughs) I talk the whole time. You, in fact, are never alone with your thoughts. Really? Yes. In fact, I call it the Anissa stand-up hour. I feel like a comedian. I like to hear people laugh because that is that laughter is wonderful medicine. Absolutely. Very healing. Um, we talk a lot about food. Um, you know, I ask everybody what they're doing for the weekend and, you know, whatever. I make conversation. I talk a lot about my teenage boys. There's a lot of talk about, you know. Um, and so... I talk the whole time, even when um, you are doing final relaxation, which we call Shavasana. I am reading to you poems, excerpts of books, um, the emotional well-being, uh, uh, the emotional correlation with um, essential oils, you know, um, all kinds of things. You are never alone with your thoughts. And the reason for that is I'm a yoga therapist. I am trained to help you release trauma from your body and help your brain and your body connect again, which happens with PTSD. The yeah. brain goes offline. And so we need to make that connection again. I am not a talk therapist. And so I am not, it is not my scope of practice to um, do talk therapy. Right. Um, now, can I listen? Absolutely. I'm a human being. And sometimes yoga is about, you know, it's about releasing. And sometimes that means you sit and you talk. That's totally cool. I'm a human and I can listen. But I am not a trained social worker, uh, therapist, psychologist, or anything like that. Right. So we're moving and we're talking. But we're, we're not zenin. <laughs> is this is this more uh, just to get uh, uh, the connection to people back into the world? I, I, I guess I'm really I'm really really interested in all of this. <laughs> well, part of it is part of them is really being reintroduced to their body. Yeah, because the brain and the body are no longer online together, okay. and that's what happens with PTSD. So we have to help them make that connection. And a lot of times, you'll hear me say in class. Where are you feeling this in your body? Where do you feel this? Now, quite frankly, there's no real right or wrong answer. Right, sure. I just want to make sure that you're making that connection. And if you're and if you say I don't feel it anywhere, that's okay too. That just tells me where you're at. Um, the other thing we're doing is we're trying to release the trauma from the body. You know, it's stored literally in a cellular level in the body. And so you can do as much talk therapy and meds as you want. But if you really want complete healing, you got to get it out of the body. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely have to be in touch with yourself physically. I believe that completely. So we work with a particular muscle group. Have you ever heard of the psoas muscle? No. Uh, Have you heard of your hip flexor? Yes. Okay. So hip flexor. Um, 
I believe that this, in my humble opinion, is the most important muscle of your entire body. Have you ever been injured or ill and you have crawled up into the fetal position? Oh, completely. Okay. Well, it's the hip flexor that does that. Now, if you didn't have that hip flexor, you would leave all of the um, major internal organs in your trunk open and exposed. That hip flexor brings you into that fetal position and um, protects all of those organs, which is why I feel it's the most important. Interesting. Because we, without it, we would be dead. Yeah. <laughs> now, it's also called the psoas muscle. And this muscle also is your emotional warehouse of your entire body. So all of your joy, your, your laughter, your um, happiness, your anger, your frustration, your grief is held in these muscles. Really? So, yes. So a lot of times I'll hear people say, oh, gosh, my hips are really tight. And my first thought is, hmm, what's going on in your life? Because <laughs> I, I know that that's where they store everything. Yeah. So the psoas trail, we work the whole body. We work what we call the psoas trail. It starts behind the knee. It goes into the inner thigh. And then it's in the pelvis as the hip flexor. Then it juts into the back, goes all the way up the spine to where the spine meets the skull. So in my class, you're going to get a whole body workout because we have to warm up this entire trail. Getting into that hip flexor, it's the deepest muscle of your body. So it takes a little work. Yeah. But what we want to do is exhaust it. Sometimes people will say, gosh, my, my thighs are like jelly and uh, um, my thighs are spasming. That's good. Sometimes people don't feel it at all and that's okay. What we're trying to do is get that muscle so exhausted that it releases. And it has these little releases, these shakes, whether they feel it or not. But that's letting go of emotional baggage. It's letting go of some of this PTSD. That sounds powerful. It's really, really powerful. There is an eight-minute psoas release that you can do um, that has nothing to do with class. It's a different type of um, activity. Mm -hmm. um, it is very, very powerful. I only do that with my students um, after class or before class in private. Um, it is not something I do open in a class. And usually, I am I know my student before we do that. I mean, somebody's not walking in first day and saying, let's do a psoas release. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I have a client I've been with for over three years, and we still haven't done that yet. So there is that you can do. But in class, you have these little releases. And, you know, by making that room... When you leave the mat and you leave the class, you're able to really feel more prepared to handle whatever life throws at you. You know, when you have PTSD and you're under so much stress, every little thing just sets you off. Yeah. There's no bandwidth. There's no room. Well, we're creating that room. Well, well tell me a little bit about that. It's, I, I imagine that this journey starts with you. Is that right? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm the first person I had to I had to work on before I could help others. Can you tell me a little about that? Well, 
I grew up, um, my, my father was a Vietnam vet mm-hmm. and we really didn't understand. Um, we, we just knew we were never allowed to say the word Vietnam. We were never allowed to ask him. It was not a topic for discussion. Yeah. And, um, it's just now in the last three to five years, he's finally been able to get with the VA. He's been able to get some, um, counseling, um, and so it's been really wonderful to see. But we grew up and, and things were a little chaotic at times because my, my dad had PTSD. We yeah. didn't understand it. Um, you know, for me, myself, I'm a two-time rape survivor. Um, I have lost a child. I had a really traumatic birth experience with my firstborn. Um, so I, I have my own baggage. Yeah. And that's a lot. And, yeah. <laughs> Probably no more than anybody else. I can't imagine. I mean, I'm sure. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. how do you, how do you quantify uh, the you yeah. know, pain, harm, you know, things, things of that nature. It's kind of difficult to do because it's all, it's all very subjective. I mean, you ask anyone, what's the worst pain there is? I mean, the answer is yours. Yeah, Absolutely. But yeah, those uh, those things those things definitely uh, tend to stick around. Um, it, it's it, it's something that uh, I think people are beginning to talk about more and more. Uh, I you know it, it's it, it's interesting because uh, I've I, it, it's something that I've just started being able to have conversations about, uh, and it was facilitated. Um, Honestly, it was facilitated mostly through talking to people through this show where I've, uh, I finally, dis- I finally was able to unlock that trauma of, of mine, uh, of rape survival. And it was something that I was never really, uh, dealing with. It was always in the back of my head, you know? Um, it's not something that, uh, it's not something that comes up in conversation. <laughs> No, no. And when you do bring it up in conversation, people look at you strange. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And you know what I've realized? I have nothing to be ashamed of. Right. I have no reason to be guilty. I didn't do anything wrong. And if I feel the need to bring it up in conversation, then by God, you're going to hear about it. Yeah. And we should be able to have these conversations with each other because that's the only way that we're ever going to get uh, the numbers on this stuff to go down. You know, if, if we had cancer, we would talk about it. Yes, absolutely. So what's the big deal? (laughs) (laughs) And you know, one in four women have been sexually traumatized. I think that there's a pretty good bet. If I bring it up, I'm not going to be the only one at the table. Right? No, absolutely. I, I, in fact, I don't know if I know anyone who hasn't <laughs> been in some way traumatized. Which that's, yes. which that's very alarming. It really kind of wonders what, as humans, are we doing to one another? Yeah, which is really sad. So, so you have all of uh, all of these experiences, um, and pretty deep as well. Um, the the. The, the the loss of a child is is definitely something 
is something hard. Um, uh, it's, it, it, I, I can, I can only relate in so far as, um, uh, I, I lost a son, um, pre-birth, uh, very, very, she was very close. Um, we were about, uh, we were about seven months in and, uh, and that was, and, and that was traumatic enough. Um, was, so, I mean, I, I can only imagine I lost um, one of my son's, my son's twin. Um, so I have a son who is a twinless twin, and I lost his brother in utero. Oh, yeah, that's... And it's really kind of, it was strange because um, I'm still happy because I, I still have my son, and yeah. yet I still lost one. And when they were very young, I would look and I would count to make sure that I had, you know, everybody with me and the, and the diaper bag and you know, all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I would always try to count for the third. It would be one, two, and, oh, that's right. There's not a third. And I thought I was losing my mind. I really did. Until I talked with a, another woman and she said, no, it's in the fiber of your being that you should have three. There's no reason why you shouldn't count the third. Yeah. And so, I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. So how did you first start to deal with these things? Uh, were you seeing a therapist or? I did do some talk therapy. Um, mm -hmm. You know, around my first rape, I, I did see a therapist. Um, that was, you know, my first kind of introduction to therapy. Um, and of course, you know, I, all kidding, you know, I'm from New York. I'm, I'm, Right now, I'm in between therapists. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> and actually, I have a really good therapist that I, I really enjoy. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, I, I did that and I thought, you know, that's all that's available is talk therapy and meds. Talk therapy and meds. Yeah. And, um, of course, you could go the other route and you could self-medicate. Yep. There's lots of different ways you can do that. Oh, yeah. Um, Fun ones. Uh, oh yeah, not good Absolutely. for you. <laughs> no, no, I don't recommend them. But you know, they're there. Yeah. Um, but I always felt like I was coming back, and and working on the same stuff. Mm -hmm. Like with every different therapist, I was still going back and dealing with the same stuff. And I'm like, okay, why am I still talking about this? Like, why don't I have peace around this? What's wrong with this? Why aren't I experiencing? total healing like why can't i get by past this and um when i'm when i'm doing yoga i am able to find peace and it's that beautiful peace that i love sharing with people and even if they feel that peace for only an hour it's still one hour less that they have to deal with the other crap yeah that's not nothing it's not nothing so you start going through this process yourself. I, I can relate to that on a lot of levels. Um, you know, I, I have an obsessive personality. And so uh, for me, it, I was obsessed with the idea that if I ever got put on a desert island uh, with no therapist and no medication, would my own brain be the thing that took me out? Mm. And, I, and I thought for sure that was the case. So I decided... <laughs> I've got to be able to manage all of this at least at some level 
completely on my own. How do I do that? Because I want to be able to survive me. So, I mean, it sounds pretty similar in a lot of ways. Like you had discovered that you needed something more to take you over the edge of what was what was already available to you. And you found yoga. I did. I thank God my mat has saved my life. <laughs> what was what was the uh, what was the process like? I mean, is that something that takes a, a long time to start unwinding? How did you discover that yoga was the thing that was going to do it? Um, you know, I think it was it was a journey, and as I continued on this journey. Uh, of becoming a yoga therapist, um, you know, I, I started, I, I finished my 200 RYT, which is your first kind of benchmark in uh, yoga training. And then I decided I was going to go for my 500. I had already taken enough classes that I was like already halfway to my 500. So I said, well, hell, I've come this far. I might as well keep going. Yeah. And uh, so I got to the 500 and, you know, somewhere within that time frame. You know, I was on my mat one day and I was just like, oh, wow, look. And, and there it was. And I realized that, you know, it was really, truly what was saving me. Um, you know, I had gotten to the point where I was afraid to go out at night. Yeah. If I absolutely had to go out at night, you know, I parked under a light. I made sure somebody walked me to my car. I had to look under the car. I had to look in the back seat. Like, you know, do all of these things to ensure my safety. Um, I was afraid to walk around my neighborhood. Yeah. Now, I live in Kansas. <laughs> I mean, the only big scary thing here is probably cattle. Right. And a couple of coyotes. I mean, seriously. But I was afraid to walk around my own neighborhood. And, um, you know, now I'm not. Now I'm able to go out. Yeah. And that's important. That really, you know, it, it, it's funny because you, I mean, you mentioned things like uh, parking under a light and, uh, uh, you know, making sure that there's, that the car is empty and things like that. And it may seem like that's just a small common sense practice to a lot of people, but uh, I, I can, I can say that I think that when you're engaging in behaviors like that, that seem like they are a healthy way of dealing with a trauma, they're actually keeping that trauma alive. Absolutely. It's, it, it's, it's unbelievable how much something so simple can keep this negative fear-based thing just latched on to the, to the back of your core as a human mm -hmm. being. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, if I was in a meeting or something, you know, the whole time I'm not really present because I'm thinking about, I have to walk out to that car. Yeah. So what good am I really? And I, I realized what it was taking from my life. Yeah. And I wanted my life back. And so you found yoga. I, purely by accident. I mean, this was, <laughs> I mean, really, I kind of fell into this. Right. 
but I know it works for me and I've seen it work for others. So I know it's, it's legit. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, you there's, know? It, there's more than one way to skin a cat. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you know, there are folks who this isn't for them and that's totally cool. Yeah. Um, I worked a lot with, um, active duty members on post, uh, at, at Fort Riley. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was funny cause these, these big burly guys would come in and they're like, Oh, we're going to come and we're going to stretch and then take a nap and you know, whatever. <laughs> right. And, and I, I literally, I'd, I'd kick their ass. Oh yeah. <laughs> and they would afterwards, they'd be like, ma'am, that was not what I expected. Mm. <laughs> I'll see you next week. Yes, ma'am. You will. And they would, <laughs> they were coming back week after week because they enjoyed it. Yeah. And so I, I knew I was on to something, you know, it wasn't just me. Yeah. It's, it, you know, the, the, the funny thing too, I, I had, I had very similar thoughts about yoga until the very first time I had to just stretch a certain way and I was breaking the hardest sweat I had ever broken in my life. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, I get it. I'll, I'll shut up now. <laughs> You know, and it's funny, not only did I, I work with them, but I actually got to work with the K-State football team once. Nice. And they came in with the same idea. Mm-hmm. And there were guys who couldn't finish. Right. Yeah, yoga's and no it, joke. It's no joke. Now, I was taking them through a fitness-based class, not a yoga therapy class. Sure. And, and I purposely went hard on them. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> they were mouthing off beforehand. So I was like, all right, I'm going to hand it to you. Well, you have um, to assert yourself if you're going to if you're going to be the teacher, you have to be able to get their attention. Also, too, you know, it was very intimidating. I was the only woman in the building. Mm-hmm. Um, and here I am with all of these very big men. Yeah. And so, yeah, I had to assert myself because, again, here's that little bit of um, PTSD creeping in. Yeah. And I don't want to be like that. Yeah, that's that's a to... that's a tough thing to that's a tough thing to 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 process, especially when you realize that that it, it, certain things are never really all the way gone. Mm-hmm. It's really just a matter of uh, figuring out how you're going to coexist with what's left once you purge, however much of it you can. That's pretty much it. You know, I would rather have to have um, asserted myself as the teacher, but not also because I was the only woman in the building. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason for assertion and and absolute, you know, but not because of this other reason. Right. As well. And so, um, but yeah, it was a fun experience. I will say that they were... um, (laughs) They were really surprised as well. Um, but, you know, fitness-based yoga and yoga therapy are very different things. And, um, you know, still folks get a workout in my class, but it's very different. Right. There's an intention behind it. Can, can you explain to me what the, what the different approaches are? Well, number one is education. Um, you know, I've been educated in such a way where if somebody has a PTSD, if they're triggered, if they're having an episode, I know how to help them keep myself safe, keep them safe, keep everyone in the room safe. If you go to a regular fitness-based yoga class, you know, you go to your yoga studio down the street, that person may not have that education. 
Right. And if you have a moment, they may not know how to handle it. I've actually heard um, instructors throw people out of their classes, not realizing what that person was actually dealing with. But they think they're either creating a commotion, they're worried about their safety, the safety of the class, whatever, and they throw that person out. Well, that's certainly not what you need at that moment. Right. (laughs) You know? Um, Yeah, because that reinforces the idea that there's something wrong with you. Well, that, yes. And that, and, and the isolation, I mean, PTSD and isolation go hand in hand. Yeah. So that's one part of it. Um, you know, in a regular fitness-based class, there are certain props you might use. In my class, you may not use them. Namingly straps. Mm-hmm. We're not going to use any straps. Uh, in a fitness-based class, you're probably going to have some Zen moments. Not in my class. I'm yakking the whole time. <laughs> um, you know, when you do certain poses, um, the in- instructor is going to cue them in a, a certain way in a fitness-based class. In my class, there's not a whole lot of rules, and I give lots of alternatives because people have there are different places in their body, and I've actually been used to working with you know amputees, people in wheelchairs. So I have to make these poses accessible to everyone. Also, too, it gives you a chance for you to really listen to your body and say, you know, I want to do it this way today. This is what my body feels like today. And so it gives you much more options and and alternatives to what you want to do. Um, So, you know, those are some of the differences. Um, In my class, the lights always stay on. That's probably Uh, helpful. Yeah. And I never leave my mat. And if I have to leave my mat, I'm going to tell you exactly where I'm going and what I'm doing. I generally never touch my clients. If I have to, again, I will tell everyone I'm leaving my mat. I'm going to tell so-and-so, oh, I'm going to come by you right now. We're going to work on whatever. I'm going to ask them if I can touch them if I need to and do whatever. Um, but by not walking around, people aren't on guard. Is she behind me? Is she looking at me? Where is she? What is she doing? There's none of that. A lot of conscious decisions going on there. Lot. There's a lot more psychology that goes on in my class than you would be aware of. Um, when I'm cueing, it's not, okay, let's go into down dog, you know, maybe it's join me here. Meet me here. Um, When you're ready, we'll all meet together here. Um, I'm giving them choice. And giving back someone's choice and power is a very big thing because in a lot of respects, our power was taken away from us. Yes. And so the cueing has to be different. So with every every class, you've got to go in there with... Uh, with, well, so much intention of thought and of purpose. Yes. Yes, this is not, oh, we're going to have a 90-minute hot yoga class. Let's go. <laughs> right. No, this is, this is a different kind of animal. And, and not to make fun of hot yoga or anything like that. I mean, no, sure. um, you know, I think, you know, yoga is great. 
and I love fitness-based yoga as well, um, but this is a totally different animal. Right. Yeah, and, and the, I, I love the way that you, uh, I love the way that you were talking about employing the use of language, uh, because that matters so much. Uh, the words that we say and hear on a regular basis uh, really help determine the reality that we're in. And so by choosing the words that you are, uh, you're helping to shape a much more conductive environment. That's, that's wonderful. It's not up to me to tell you to go right into down dog. When you're ready, meet me there. Yeah. (laughs) You take your time. You do whatever you want to do. I had a client come in. She was doing uh, addiction recovery. And she would do whatever she wanted on her mat. I would be cueing something for the rest of the class and she'd be, you know, doing something totally different. And quite frankly, as long as she wasn't disrupting the class, which she wasn't, although she got some odd stares, um, <laughs> and she was in good alignment, she wasn't hurting herself. Yeah. I didn't really care. She was there. She was, you know, in the, the essence of the class, you know, getting something out of it. And she was doing her own thing. There you go. Huh. Well, I I mean, all of this is uh, absolutely wonderful. Uh, I really, I really love the idea uh, of being able to take ownership uh, of your life through taking ownership of yourself. Uh, And the psychology behind all of it is really, really interesting Uh, And I thank you for sharing all of this with me today. Well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed talking with you. (laughs) Thanks for talking to me. Hey, I had a great time. Thank you again. And there you have it. There's my conversation with Anissa Hudak. Uh, If you want to find out more, and I know that you do, uh, go ahead and get yourself over to TraumaHealingYoga.com. You can find her on Facebook, you can find her on LinkedIn, and on Twitter. Uh, I got links in the feed below. As for me, if you would like to see me play some drums tonight at Globe Hall in Denver, you can see that very thing. Show starts at 8. Come get some barbecue. Come hang out. And that's all I got for this week, everybody. Next week, I've got another episode coming up. And then uh, maybe a Thanksgiving special is coming in the works uh, as we speak. But everything is unfolding as it always has. And until next time, don't kill yourselves out there.